the quest for us as a church is to re-centralize Jesus in everything that we do. Kore, rebehe morana jesoma emong ahai. In Revelation 22, I'm reading from verse 13, it says, Jesus is speaking there. Let me take it from verse 12. And behold, I come quickly and my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. And there's nothing in between. So that's, that's what we want to do as a church. We want to re-centralize Jesus. To make sure that in how we do things and how we live, He is the first and the last. And so today, of the many things that we will be saying about Jesus, but one of the key things that I want us to establish when you live today, it should be very clear to your heart, to your life, and you will have to contend with how you deal with this truth. How But this is the truth that I want you to go home with. Jesus is Lord. Jesu Kimore. And so, when we got born again, here's what you need to ask. What did you confess when you got born again? Because many people are born again, but they have no clue what were those words that transferred them. Those were the most powerful words you have said as a sinner. Because that was your ticket to salvation. But the question is, what did you say? And because most people get married and fears down the line, they divorce. What are, why are they divorcing? It's because the words that transferred them from singlehood to a married life a life of covenant. Those words are forgotten or they never meant anything in the first place. And so people fight to divorce, not to stay married. They don't realize that those words bound them for better or for worse. Until death do make them part. So, they just speak. They don't realize that that confession bound them such that what they do about marriage pleases God or displeases Him. That's why God says, I hate divorce. Why? Because when you spoke those words, you should have been mindful what you meant. In the same way, when you got born again, you should have been mindful what you were saying. And if you got born again according to the book of Romans chapter 10, the, Ro the book of Romans chapter 10 says, With your mouth you confess. What? Most of us say, Oh, Jesus is my Savior. Jesus, what did you confess when you got born again? Jesus is Lord. That's what the Bible says. 
it says you believe with your heart not with your mind you believe with your heart that god raised him for in other words i have no doubt in my heart that jesus died and was raised and therefore with my mouth not by persuasion with my own choice having believed i say jesus is And I want you for a moment consider that in your confession at the point that you confessed the Bible says you must confess him as Lord. I want to acknowledge that you also receive him as savior but you confessed him as Lord. But what did it mean for you? What did it mean for you to say Jesus is Lord? Simply speaking When you say lord you mean ruler you mean the highest authority of my life you mean my master but most people love the fact that Jesus is lord lord of lords they've never pondered for a moment whose lord is he When you read in the book of Philippians it tells you in chapter 2 that God has given him the name above all names that at the name of Jesus Christ every knee of the the things in heaven and earth and the earth below even shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord so there are people who believe that Jesus is Lord over demons. Jesus is Lord over my situation. Jesus is Lord over every other thing but me. Kimorena wantotot ising My friend demons did not confess Jesus is Lord on your behalf. You accepted and received Jesus and before you can expect him to be lord over any other thing that has not chosen him to be lord because every other philosophy of the world resists the lordship of Jesus when you accepted him willingly and so the first person that must say Jesus you are ruler must be you when he comes back in his second advent the bible says in 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 revelations 19 you will see him he stay written king of kings lord of lords when he comes that time those who resisted him will confess that time it will be with dread and tears and when they see him how nobody discussion yeah he's a Jew no there won't be that discussion that time when you see him when he comes in his power and his splendor you will fall down so you see that day there will be you and I falling down before the king his enemies will fall down also but you see friends you and i can choose today to cheerfully and joyfully 
willingly bow down to this great king and say, you are king over my life. I'm not king over my life. No one is worthy above you, Lord. Not my job, not my children, nothing. Because if you don't do it willingly on that day, you will do it with no choice anymore. It won't be nice that day. There's a word that was used by Hebrews in the past. I believe there's an equivalence of that in the Aramaic, which was called Hineni. Hineni was a word that was used by servant. If someone was your servant, when you called their name, as they come running to you, agree you are the master. You are the boss. When you come, if you say, Daniel, Daniel will come and say, Hineni. What does that mean? Here I am to do your will. You know what that meant for those people? If you say die, I die. If you say live, I live. That is why in Genesis chapter 2, Abraham was called by God. Genesis chapter 22 verse 1. Abraham, listen to what Abraham says. Here I am. Already in Abraham's mind, God is king. God is Jehovah. God is Lord. Whatever he says goes. And so God says to Abraham, 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 take your son, your only son, whom you love, and go and sacrifice him to the mountain I will show you. Who is speaking? The Lord. Who is speaking? The master. Who is speaking? The highest authority in my life. Now, I have asked for this child. But I am God. Now I say to you, go and kill him. What is the response? This is king. This is God. There are no either and but. And no. If God speaks, you don't tolerate him. You obey him. You don't agree with him. You obey him. And so Abraham says, early the next morning, Abraham took his son, his only son whom he loves. Why? The Lord has spoken. Now you wonder how many of us are in debate with Jesus now. When Jesus was born in Bethlehem, he was revealed to two polarized groups. The rich wise men from the east and the shepherds. Revealed as both king and savior respectively. To the shepherds, the angels came and said, Behold today in the city a savior is born. But to the wise men, they say in Matthew 2 from verse 1, they say, where is the king of the Jews born? We have come to worship him. And I ask my myself this question. When their kings, where they came from, 
They came to Jerusalem looking for a king who was born to be Lord. But here's what excites me. Herod was the king. But they didn't come to worship Herod. They came to worship one who was born king. Herod may have been king. But to them, he may not have been Lord. And so, when people are poor, when people are lonely, the shepherds were excited about the fact that in my situation, whatever I'm facing, there is a savior. And people love that. People love the fact that if sin oppresses me, if I'm poor, if I'm going through aggravated situations, I know but do people also love the fact that I cannot live for myself because I have Lord and a King over my life? You see, Jesus gave hope to the shepherds. But I love the fact that even the wise men who brought gifts in their opulence, in their extravagance, in their wealth, but who says, let not the wise glory in his wisdom. Let not the rich glory in his riches. Let not the strong glory in their strength. But let them glory in this, in the fact that they understand and they know me. That I am the Lord who exercises loving kindness, justice and righteousness on the earth. And in these things I delight. These are the guys who are richer than you and me. These are the guys who had gold to give away. Do you have money to give away now? Some of us, if we have to give money, we, we grumble. But these were the guys who had stuff to give away. They had their transport, camels, to travel all the way from, from the Far East to say to the king, you deserve the glory. Now, I don't know how you handle this issue. But here's what I want you to ask yourself today. If Jesus is Lord, to what extent is he Lord over your life? In which areas is he Lord? The measure of the authority of God's word over our lives is the measure of his lordship over us. In other words, the extent to which we obey the word of the Lord, that's how far we let him rule in our lives. That's why Jesus asked those who claimed to be his disciples, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and yet disobey me, and yet not do what I command? Jesus could not reconcile lordship and disobedience. But now we find it easy to reconcile the two, to say, Jesus is Lord and still disobey him. And I could not. He simply confronted people. Why do you call me Lord? Are you confused or are you trying to get me confused? In obedience, friends, we find the measure of our love for God and His Lordship over our lives. It is in both these aspects. Our love for God and His Lordship over us that Jesus said, If you love me, you will obey my if you say, I am Lord, you will obey my commandments. 
And so now, we are stuck as churches. As leaderships of churches. We are stuck with a situation where people have since said Jesus is Lord. But they would fight us if we want them to be Lord in their lives. They would tell you as a leader, you guys are trying to control us. This is my life. I have to live it. This is not your life, my friend. And I have to repeat this until you get it. This is not your life. The book of Titus, when you read in chapter 2, when you read from verse 10, Titus explains that this salvation that has appeared to us, it teaches us to say no to ungodliness. But it speak, he speaks of the blessed hope. But he says something very important. He says Jesus wanted to cleanse for himself a people of his own. Eager to do good works. Therefore you don't belong to your Psalm 100 says, we are the sheep of his pasture. We belong to him. 2 Corinthians 5, 15. For he died that all that live, I think he died for all of us. But what, what was the reason? He died so that those that live may no longer live for themselves, but they may live for him who died for them. And whatever he say, they will obey because he is Lord. He has purchased them. You were owned by the devil, Jesus by his blood, but you, there was a transaction on that cross. He took your sins. The Bible says, 2 Corinthians 5.21 For he who knew no sin was made sin. That you and I may be made the righteousness of God. We are the righteousness of God because of Jesus Christ. Not because of anything we have done. And therefore you and I are in no position to bargain with Jesus. Uh, if I give, will you bless me? No, in the first place, there's nothing you have that he has not given to you. You belong to him and every other thing he has given you. He's Lord over everything. The breath we breathe now, guess where it, who, in, to whom does it belong? Him. That is why Paul says, it is no longer I who lives, but Christ lives in me. And I am conscious as I live my life, I live it clearly aware that whether by death or by life, Christ must be glorified. I cannot shy away from dying from persecution because this life is not mine. The one that has bought it deserves to take it when he wants it. And I can lay it down for him. I can say, Jesus, you are worth more than anything. Your love for me is better than life. And my life is worth nothing without you. And here we have people in churches coming in, out every Sunday, every week, services that churches hold. Believing this is my life. Let me be honest with you. It is not. 
and for centuries and decades people have come to Christ for salvation to date you and I make part of those who sought refuge in the Lord Jesus when we pass away men will still call the Lord Jesus to rescue them from whatever impediment whatever sorrow trial or tribulation they are facing all of us who come to Jesus are typified by the soils that Jesus sp speaks about in the parable of the sower all of us come to him the living weight all of us come to him the savior and the lord but how we respond to his lordship to his weight will determine whether we stray or whether we stay let us hear his weight and for lack of understanding the value of the message of the king and his kingdom is stolen by the devil they hear oh the preaching was nice but as they leave here fine you you will hear today that jesus is lord but you'll go home still thinking you are lord still thinking your husband and your children are lord others receive the word of god with joy but when it places the demand for change in their lives and they are persecuted for the word they quickly fall away other people love the fact that God is good. How was the church? Oh, it was wonderful. When people start demanding of you to live like a Christian, you are unhappy. When people start saying, Oh, you Christians, you do this and this. Why you do? When people insult you and curse you, now you, 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 you feel weak. When the gospel puts its demand, when the Lord says, I want you to take your son, your only son whom you love. Go and crucify him. Go and make a sacrifice. Now you have questions. Now he's no longer Lord. Now you feel, I, this thing, Abu Zalwan, is too tough. And you fall away. Others hear the word of God. They are excited. But they have too many concerns. They want to be wealthy. They want to have status in this world. And the gospel of Jesus Christ is the hindrance for them. Because if they have to live by the gospel, the Lord will say to them, I hate unjust scales. I hate bribery. But oh Lord, how am I going to get tenders if I don't pay the bribes? Oh Lord, the worries of this world. Now these things... They choke the word of God in their lives. Others still want to live with their boyfriends. And let me tell you. Some of you, you know. You shouldn't be where you are now. But. <laughs> the gospel of Jesus Christ is too much of an inconvenience for you. He's not lordy enough for you to leave your unsaved boyfriend. Too much of a cost for me to stop sleeping with a sinner. It's too much of a cost. Jesus, you are not Lord enough for me to do that. It's too costly. This gospel, the Bible says, those that have received it, they know they are not ashamed of this gospel. For this gospel is the power of God unto salvation. This gospel therein is revealed the righteousness of God. From faith to faith. And the king 
who has sent us to preach this message is worthy of us leaving all these other things and count them rubbish. Paul says, all that was ever was profit to me, I count it loss for the excellency of knowing this king, Jesus Christ. And many of us are sitting in churches. They, some are workers, some are ministers, but they sit in there saying to Jesus, you are not worthy. But in their worship, they lie. They say, worth is the king, worth is the lamb. But they say, my sin, my pleasure, my fun, my bribery, all that brings glory to self is more worthy than you are. And you sit there and you believe. The book of uh, uh, Proverbs speaks something very interesting. It says, if a man does not take heed of the word of the Lord. Even his prayers are an abomination to the Lord. Now I may ask this question. If you don't take God serious at what he says, why should he take you serious when you pray? Eh? Heaven when you pray. I don't know. He's God. He's the one who decides on that one. But I know if I was him, <laughs> the situation would be different. Eh? And so for those who hear the word of God and they understand that they have received his lordship, for them, friends, Jesus is worth more than what this world and every other privilege or person can offer. For them, the stage is set. For death or for life, Jesus is all. When all things are considered, Jesus is the final choice. Is Jesus the final choice in your life? How many options do you still have? For the throne of your life, Who's the final choice? These are the issues we must resolve. For the next season in which we are going in as a church, you must resolve who's the final choice for your life now. So when we go forward, we are not here and there. Whether you and I stay the course or stray, there are things that should be clear to us from the onset if we come to Jesus. No one can come to Jesus unless the Father draws him. You must, ha you must realize it is by grace that you came to Jesus. Because God loves you so much, he drew you. When you think you have chosen Jesus, consider that Jesus is the one who chose you. You didn't choose him. We are the ones who are actually highly favored to be chosen by the creator. So we are not doing Jesus a favor. And Jesus is the only way to the Father and therefore the only certainty to eternal bliss. Are you still with me? Amen. Hey, yeah, no. The amen is good today, eh? <laughs> Friends, if we want Jesus to be Lord in our lives, we need to develop a healthy relationship with his word so that when it rules, we know how far he rules in our lives. We need to take this way. We need to read it. We need to meditate on it. We need to speak it and then we need to live it. Then we are justified to tell others about this Lord. In our quest to fill our churches and make disciples after ourselves, 
We should not render the gospel message void and without effect. Or the kingdom of God kingless. Churches today, because as pastors, we want you to come. We, want, we don't want the, 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 the church to be empty. Guess what we do? We make this kingdom kingless. There's no king. You can do as you please. Friends, there's a king. And his name is Jesus Christ. And he's Lord. And you don't bargain with him. You don't tolerate him. You don't agree with him. You obey him. We cannot water down the gospel just because we want people to fill our churches. Even Jesus, when it came to those who wanted to follow him or be his disciples, Jesus never gave them a watered down gospel so that they can stay. No, he gave it directly to them. Look at what he says in Matthew 16 from 24 to 27. Then Jesus said to his disciple, whoever wants to be my disciple must... Not should or shall or may. Must deny themselves and take up their cross. What does the cross stand for? The very thing that will kill you to yourself. The very thing that will kill your ambitions. The very thing that kills the selfish dreams. The very thing that will say, make you say, not my will, but your will. Carry it. And then he says, then you will follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? For the son of man will come in his father's glory with his angels. And then he will reward each person according to what you have done. He says you must. And now we preach you may. May I correct what we have preached if we have preached it to you? You must. It's not an option. It's not an either or. It's a must. He says in Mark 10, 29 to 30. Truly I tell you, Jesus replied, no one who has left homes or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel. We leave friends, the things we love for who? For Jesus and the gospel. No one of such will fail to receive hundred times as much in this age. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children and fields. And I like this part. Along with persecution. So Jesus does not give you a watered down gospel. He says there's privilege and sacrifice. There will be more. There will be more people who love you. Hey, I'm so happy. You know, I know most of you love me. When we were in Lesotho, God gave us this word. And I said to my wife, I'm excited. God, Jesus says to me today, if you've left your home, you've left your brothers, you will have more of them. And here I'm standing in the midst of them. People that I know love me. People that I love. But he says it's not only that. There is persecution as well. So it's not Jesus, I'm happy. Why Jesus, I'm not happy today. I don't, you are not Lord anymore. No, friends. Rejoice always. In all situations, give thanks. For this is God's will for us. And in the age to come, friends, we will receive eternal life. This for me is a fair deal, a wonderful deal. I'm happy with it. I can take it. 
Jesus replied in Luke 9.65, No one who puts the hand on the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. Basically, Jesus says you would not be hired in my kingdom if you put your hands on the plow and you consider what you left behind. Anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. I, I, I'm amazed that Jesus does not seem to mix his words about who's worthy of him. And we like mixing words when we tell people about Jesus. Jesus says, if you are not ready to take up your cross and follow him, you are not worthy of him. For whoever finds their life will lose it. And whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. People are ready to lose their lives for girlfriends. People commit suicides for lovers. People lose jobs and kill themselves. Have we gone more foolish than we should be? How many people do you know have lost their lives for stuff that is unworthy altogether but are not willing to lose their lives for the one who says if you lose it you will get it better so friends the Lord Jesus Christ came to seek and save the lost according to Luke 19.10 but let us be mindful of this today he never allowed the lost to dictate to him the terms upon which they were willing to follow him don't you just love that? Rather he let them go their way instead to whatever end they chose. The rich young man says, How can I, what can I do to inherit the kingdom? Jesus says, the Ten Commandments, he says, kid stuff, I've done all of that. He says, okay, fine, sell all that you have and follow me. That, those were the terms Jesus gave him. Did he agree? He left, right? Did Jesus follow him? No, friends. Don't think he's in the business of following those that are not ready to follow him on his terms. When they came for bread in John chapter 6, he says, I'm the bread of life. You have to eat my body and, and, and drink my blood. They said, that is the hard teaching. Sorry, they left. Did he chase them? He went as far as asking his disciples, aren't you going to live too? So Jesus is not desperate to have followers. Jesus wants disciples who are committed to him. Because he's Lord. Shall we stand up this morning? And there was joy in the church. All of us, as a family, as friends, as the body of Christ, we belong to the Lord Jesus. And in executing our divine mandate to make disciples of all nations, we should endeavor to produce disciples that are worthy of the Lord Jesus Christ, our master and ruler. Not fickle people who readily denounce him for passing pleasure 
or in the midst of temporary afflictions. How are you today? Are you happy? I'm very happy. Because my mind is made. How many of us know that your mind should be made up to follow this king? You can't mix him. So friends, we need to produce people that are ready to die for Jesus. Not those that are willing to trade off Jesus for the pleasures of Egypt. Not those when they suffer a little bit, all of a sudden, oh, why me, Lord? Oh, Jesus doesn't... No, friends, we die for this king. If we live for him, we die for him. If we suffer with him, we will reign with him. How's that for a deal? I think it's a great deal. Others are happy. Others are sad. Sorry for you if we made you sad. But no regrets about it. The bottom line is there is a king. His name is 